Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlon, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick, and it's been a while, Jack. I think it's been a month or so, a little over yeah. a month, which has been our short. I mean, not to mention that football had their shortest offseason ever. We had our shortest offseason ever between season three and, I mean, I guess you can call it seasons, season three and season four. We wrapped up with the end of uh, softball's magical run, and now we're starting up here with less than a month to go to football. Just over a hundred days ago, the national, the CAA regular season was being played, finale was being played, and just over eighty days ago, the national championship was being played. Yeah, what a weird, weird season. I keep forgetting it was in the spring. As I like looked at this season, I just call it like last season, and I forget that like, like their bodies were just going through it a couple months ago. So. That'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Although they didn't play, and I feel like people keep kind of forgetting this. It's like, Jamie, you played eight games, which feels very different than playing like 14 games in the spring. Yeah. So from and that. And Towson played none. So keep an eye out for that. Towson, they're going to be fresh. <laughs> I, I wonder how it's going to impact them. Like, I wonder if they're going to look rusty because they haven't played in over a year. I think Or that. if, I think that's what's going to happen too. But I also wonder if like maybe week four when the like attrition starts to, starts to come in where these guys who only had three months, two months off, three months off, they're starting to get a little bit more banged up and Towson's a little bit more fresh. I wonder how that's going to play out. But then again, they're, they're down their elite quarterback in Tom Flacco. They're down their actually elite running back Shane Simpson, who you saw play at UVA. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Yeah. They're a team to me, not to make this a Towson podcast, but I feel like they're one that's like always frustrating where I feel like they should really be like spearheading the, CAA is a good conference cause and they always seem even with some talent to kind of like like the one year they had that home playoff game against like Duquesne and they were up early in the rain and then blew it and like lost in the first round when that team should have been like a quarterfinal caliber team. remember when Villanova lost to Southeast Louisiana on that terror like that Villanova team that could have won an act well clearly they didn't have the talent because they lost to Southeastern Louisiana but everyone thought they were a dark horse national championship contender and then get destroyed but Towson does that every season, it seems like. They start really well. Maybe it's because they have a really bad non-conference schedule. They start the season really well, a good couple first conference games, and then they just fall off the wagon completely. And then they're like on the outside looking into the playoffs. 
they're such a weird one because they they didn't they win like or at least make it to a national title or something weird like within the yeah, last like, uh, last ten oh, years probably. I'll look it up, but it's yeah. I mean, like they're a team that seems like they could be good. Their stadium's not like horrible. They're recruiting a good area. Granted, they're rec- well. JMU's recruiting against Tech and UVA. Towson's recruiting against what Maryland. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that kind of checks out. You're trying to get those in-house guys, and Maryland's had some some crappy seasons. I mean, it's like you, impossible you, to even find it, You should be recruiting fairly well, but I guess not. The Wikipedia page lists like playoff appearances, not when they absolute joke. I guess they made it to the 2014 national title and lost to NDSU. 2013, 2014, and lost to to NDSU. And that was Rob, Rob Ambrose was the guy there, and he's let him down. Anyway, sorry, way too much Towson. <laughs> okay, let's, let's, let's turn <laughs> off of Towson because hopefully we'll soon be getting away from playing Towson when the conference is realigned tomorrow. Oh. Um, not tomorrow. Who knows when it's going to happen. Um, but what, Oklahoma and Texas really threw a wrench in everything going, around, going on around the country. Yeah, Oklahoma and Texas, as we all know, going to the Missouri Valley. They wanted to be with the big boys in North Dakota State. And it just it's different up there, right? I mean, the way they play. It just no. means more. It just <laughs> it means, means more. more in the Missouri Valley. And also the SEC, where they're going in allegedly 2025. We'll see if they do anything to try to make that happen faster. Uh, anytime there's any realignment at the top, Jamie fans like to talk about what it means to them. This one actually feels like it could mean something because you've this got the big. Like it could mean something because it could literally blow up the college football yes like yeah your two money makers are leaving the big 12 and now the pac 12 and the aac and the big 10 are like they're coming in and trying to poach off everyone and it really feels like there's going to be no more big 12 in 2025 2026 there probably still will be um it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because this has the potential to just destroy i mean destroy has a bad connotation but blow up the current system of the NCAA football. I think you could keep destroy a little bit. Like as a college football fan who likes the FCS and like these underdogs, it sucks. Like the SEC is just this mega conference with like weird stragglers too. Like, can they just kick Vanderbilt out? Can, can that, that's what I'm saying. Like, like the big 12 also has some weird one. Like, I think that's why it kind of needs to disband. Like I'm in the, I'm in the boat of it needs to kind of get blown up. And we have this, mega sec like top tier type of teams and then you kind of have a middle tier um and then it works its way out but it does kind of like you think about it then how does this impact jmu and i don't think they unless they're going aac or something but who knows in five years this all could be different and jmu's left in the dust because they're not going to be able to compete at an scc level major tier and would they fit in in a middle tier? Maybe, but you got to think that middle tier is what? It's going to be, it's probably going to be the Pac 12, and then it's going to be some ACC teams. Like, it, that, that, I don't know. Yeah, because like the ACC outside of Clemson is not a great football league currently. It I used think, to be, but now it sucks. They still have some big names, at least, where I think Miami and Florida State could go back and become kind of powers. And then if you can get Virginia Tech to be competitive, things like that, you've got some. Some teams there that are good, obviously, in the basketball world, it's pretty good, but that appears to become less and less relevant on the major scale. I guess we can get into this later about how maybe for JMU basketball becomes more important Yeah, moving forward. I think for me with the football stuff, though, and all the realignment, like the one thing that stands out 
is like the AAC, in my opinion, is completely off the table for JMU now because the AAC seems like they're poaching or trying to poach Big 12 schools to yeah. become one of a, a Power 5 caliber brand, and JMU does not move the needle in that regard at all. I think AAC is either doing that or the AAC is just no longer going to exist. Like, do they – is the Big 12 strong? Because the Big 12 is going to get a lot of money now from Texas and Oklahoma leaving, right? I, th- well, I think the Big 12 is kind of screwed. Because, like, they have them leaving, which is horrible because those are the two mega brands. Yeah. So then if you're those eight schools left, and if one of those leagues I, leaves, I think you need at least eight to get an auto bid for, like, yeah. basketball and that. So if they lose any more, I think they're – I don't know the financials in terms of, like, the buyout or whatever Texas and Oklahoma have to give them. But. It'll be interesting to see because, I mean, the Big 12 can now pivot and try and poach AAC schools. That's what but, – But also you could pivot and AAC – like, it feels like now it's between the Big 12 and AAC. Who's yes. going to poach whose teams? If the AAC can pull off some low-feeder Big 12 team, like, within the next year, I think the Big 12's done. But if the Big 12 can pull, what, a Cincinnati, a Houston – from the AAC mm-hmm. in the next year, then like it, who's going to get the next guy. And I think the big 12 is in a better spot to get the next guy. Cause they're still technically a power five conference. I mean, that's really loose air quotes around it because when you're losing Oklahoma, Texas kind of sucks and they don't really add much. Like, I mean, they're on the up and up, but um, I don't know. It's going to be the really AAC's benefit is that they've got that ESPN deal. Yeah, and the big the Big Twelve and ESPN are like going to war over like they're alleging that ESPN is, you know, yeah, it's has like the is, SEC is deal with the AAC, and it's like colluding. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I think that helps the AAC where they've got that ESPN connection and they just have a ton of teams. Where yeah. like if they do happen to lose two, they're not dead. Where like the Big Twelve, if they lose anybody, it's like well, that's all she wrote. It does suck for the Big Twelve because the Pac twelve is now sniffing around them too. And the Big Ten could potentially – there at least have been rumors that, like, the Big Ten might try to grab some sort of Big 12 school. Um, Kansas would obviously hurt the heck out of the football product. But then again, you would also maybe have the best basketball league in the country if you had – so, I mean, there's, like, a lot that goes into it. West Virginia, could they go to the ACC? Yeah. There's a lot of of moving parts. Or if the SEC becomes a mega conference and the rest of the whole college football landscape gets blown up – what would, what, what would you feel about a localized conference, you know, with ODU, Virginia Tech, UVA, JMU, William Poole? It's funny because a localized conference does sound like a lot of fun, but it also would be <laughs> such a weird league. Like, the top would be so good, and the bottom would be so bad. It depends, I guess, on which, like, local schools you get. I wonder if you could do something that's, like, 10-ish with some, and I don't know what all the contracts are, but, like, you look at local, like, Coastal Carolina's, like, not local, but they're the kind of like football school to be fun to be paired with. Yeah. Appalachian State would be fun, Old Dominion. And then, yeah, maybe some of those CAA schools make sense to actually bring along for some sports, like a Delaware that has decent facilities and sort of seems to care about stuff. Richmond is not the worst to have around. I mean, they've struggled a little bit football wise, but they're a good they basketball have some, school. They have some. I wonder if they, although they're what, A10 for basketball. So then I don't know how that gets complicated. Yeah. There's a lot of moving parts. I think for me, the like major standouts is I would like JMU to be in a league that has higher competition, but also like localized teams, like you were saying. And then two, like, I don't think the AAC is an option anymore because I think the AAC views itself way above JMU. Not that it ever really was actually an option. (laughs) 
I think it was somewhat of an option there for like a brief moment in time. Um, I think if everything had stayed the same, it would have been more of an option because I think JMU's right. basketball program is on the up and up. Baseball has to get, has to catch up. But I mean, it was it was if everything had stayed the same, it would have been an option here soon. But now there's no possible way because yeah, AAC sees itself as a Power Six member that's soon going to supplant the Big Twelve and become just a Power Five member. Um, yeah, a localized conference would be a lot of fun, but it's just so many moving parts. Like, like yes. could you get Richmond? Because Richmond's in the CAA for football, but they're in the A10 for basketball. Right. Coastal's in what? The Fun Belt? Yeah. Um, CUSA's, I mean, ODU's in the CUSA for football. Like, it just gets really muddy. And like, is the CUSA, is the Sun Belt, is the, who else? A-Sun? Like, are they all going to blow up too? Or are they going to try and reconfigure? Right. My favorite is seeing the reports coming out um, that the athletic directors like that possibility, but they have to see what happens next. And it's like, no crap. I will say that. There's been a lot of, like, reports across all of these schools that are just vague and mean nothing, and it all comes down. Like, the Bourne and Alger statement was essentially, like, we're, we're waiting to see what happens. I think people read into that one way too much, too. I thought it was the perfect thing. Like we're in the CAA right now and then we're going to slightly kind of boast our resume in the last couple. Like it was like, we're here, but also look at us because we're really good at sports. I think (laughs) Jamie has a lot of value. Like it's a really good athletic department and uh, the sports blog guys mentioned this on a recent podcast. There's actually a really interesting thought that like, if they don't end up moving to some sort of higher level, like, maybe JMU needs to kind of dial back the spending because at what point are like, is it really worth spending all this money to like be great within the CAA? So I understand that side as well. The other side that's interesting is like realignment. I feel like there are a lot more rounds of this to come like 30 years from now, I think things could look crazy different. So from that perspective, like if JMU maintains these nationally excellent programs, you've got your breaking T softball shirt. They came a couple wins away from a national championship in that they've won a national championship in lacrosse. Like, I don't think it's crazy to think they could have a a really impressive upward trajectory in the next few decades. If they keep winning and find ways to just get on the field with the big boys, like in these sports. Yeah. And also, I mean, you, you have to look at, look at it past just winning in the CAA. How does this help? I know this is like what everyone comes back to and it's always the the argument between spending on sports and not spending on sports, but how many students is it bringing in? What type right. of marketing value does it add to the university? And these are things I don't know the answer to and not a lot of people really do. And it's a lot of just talking really only born in Alger know the true value that a good, you know, athletic program brings to a university. Um, but I mean, that's also a fair point. You can, you dial it back and still be the best in the CAA. Yeah you could dial it back probably a few million and like still be the best in the CAA. Uh, But like you said, I think the fact that there's always a chance at realignment and there's always a chance at things moving and shaking and JMU isn't content in the CAA. Like you can just tell they don't want to be here. That's the thing for me is like at some point in the next like five years, I'd like to see them actually do something. Like (laughs) I feel like since I got to JMU in like 2014, in the car report, which said they were basically ready to go to the FBS in 2013. There's been a ton of talk about like what they could do and what might happen and where they could fit. And all these people tagging the ASC and tweets or whatever, every time they win a random field hockey game on a Tuesday. 
and it's like they still haven't actually done anything and now they're at a point where and we're going to talk about football a lot on this podcast i'm more excited for the men's basketball team than i am for the football team yeah i think that program is in a great spot like they kind of have all their what is it their ducks in a row or whatever and they they seem like they're ready to do something they just need sort of i hope there's a little more chaos honestly i hope like the aac or big 12 one of those gets kind of messed around and there are these Appalachian states and Old Dominion say we would like to be in a more competitive league that puts us in a good spot and JMU is one of the teams that can take advantage. Yeah it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how it all blows up because it's going to blow up at some point we just don't know how and also there's no way Texas and Oklahoma stay in the Big 12 until 2025. I find that hard to believe it seems like they don't have any interest in being there and I think like you were saying, it takes one domino, right? Where it's like either the big 12 can start pulling more teams in and say, get out. Like, we'll just take what we have or the other way where the big 12 gets poached and dies off. It's going to be really interesting. It will be really interesting. So segue now into football. Couldn't think of a, 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 a clever way to do that. Um, Speaking of interesting. Jamie football's coming up. Jamie doesn't have an FBS game, and I'm sad. Uh, that was what I, I was going to get to that eventually, but they have Weber well, State in Ogden. We'll get there. We'll get there, I guess. But this is a schedule. Well, I have my hot take on this, but I'll I'll get to you. You put expectations down. Oh no, uh, I want to hear your hot take. You can't choose my hot a hot take, take and then <laughs> and then. Well, technically, that is good podcasting. You tease something really great to keep the listeners keep going around. I, that's not good for me. I want to know this hot take from the jump. JMU has never had an undefeated season at the Division One level. They went, I think, 9-0-1 in, like, 1975. It was a D2 school. I think they're going to have an undefeated season. Really? They've never – Yeah. I guess, yeah, the undefeated season where they beat an FBS team, they lost in the national championship. The right. They've come the really close. They lost to the FBS team. You think – okay, so you don't think there's any chance they lose at Weber State? Well <laughs> – Here's what I'll say. There are certainly chances they lose. That's why I'm saying this is the road schedule. There's two reasons the road schedule is not great. One, it's harder to win on the road. They have a lot of really good teams. They play on the road. And two, if you're like someone who likes to watch games in Bridgeport Stadium, pretty much all the good games are on the road. Like I think Villanova, Villanova on October 9th, it's family weekend. That seems like a fun one. Other than that, Jack, the home schedule stinks. Moorhead State, Maine. Villanova, Elon, Campbell, Towson. That's horrible. Towson maybe might be good. Who knows? We really don't know what Towson is this season. And that Villanova, one, what is that? Villanova has a chance to be really good or really yeah. bad. Villanova was bad in the spring season. Like, they weren't that great of a team. Yes. And That's the, all the, Ta- the Towson one, like, could be interesting, right? But it's also – the last game of the season. So I think that's like leading into Thanksgiving, like the week yeah. before it. So it might not be like a full student section. So it could be kind of like a, not a lame atmosphere, but we all know how the playoff atmospheres are in the early going. You know, what's insane. Homecoming is Campbell. Yeah. That's, I guess, I don't really know the logic there. I guess people are going to go anyway. So you take your win and people can do whatever, I guess. I like homecoming weekends of um, really, really good teams. Like a good, I like that like as well. Richmond JMU in 2015 was a fantastic homecoming game. I like that stuff too. And 
The first game I think is interesting just because it's like they're opening the season again, which is fun. So like Warhead State, I don't really care that it's a, a cupcake game because they're opening the year. That's fun. Maine, I don't know if Maine's good. Like I always forget if Maine and New Hampshire and Rhode Island are going to be any good. So I don't know. But like Villanova is the only game that seems like what, like a preseason ranked team? I don't, I don't think they're preseason ranked. I thought they were. I might be thinking of someone else. I probably There's only three teams I think that who's are ranked. the who's the third? JMU Delaware. Is I thought it was I thought Nova was considered ranked, it, but I think it I might could be, be Villanova. Wrong. Let me look it up though, because I actually don't know. This is great uh podcasting again. Hero Sports, we'll just use theirs because they actually make it like easy to see. I don't even know who else what is who else does one. They put Nova at 17. Okay. So preseason ranked team. Yeah. But okay, so that's that's part of your expectations. Do you have any other expectations for this team, like as a whole? Do you think Cole's gonna go back to playoff form? Do you think? Just hit me with some some random expectations you have for this season. I think Percy's gonna be a beast. Like Percy's like eighteen hundred yards away from being the all time leading rusher in JMU history. That's a lofty goal. But I There's think like no way he gets that. Man. I think Khalid Abdullah in the championship season had eighteen hundred yards. Yeah, but Khalid Abdullah was also the only back. This here's my here. We'll have to get into this. I think he's pretty much going to be the only back. Like they're obviously going to use other guys, but they <laughs> there use, is no way that he's going to be the only back when there's Latrell and Van Horst behind him. Van Horst didn't even like get carries last year. I don't I think Van Horst is a factor always, at all on the running game. I always forget that. I, my, my mind's always back well, to the I think that was Virginia game where he just dominated. He should be getting more touches. That's that's a different story. I think Percy's going to have a huge year. I think Cole is going to be really solid. I think the receivers are going to be good. I think that I'm most excited for the defensive line. The defensive line is gross. Yeah, I, I wrote about that in the power rankings that arguably the best defensive line from last season in JMU in all of the FCS who was banged up, who was down like four starters, now returns those starters. And they also have a second line. Like, it's going to be insane. They could they could rotate each drive with a different defensive line that's just as good as the other one. Yeah, they got the the Towson transfer who's really experienced in the middle. They moved Mike Green back to defensive tackle. He's an NFL prospect, at least in some regards, maybe an undrafted guy, but still really, really good. So I mean they've got some options and still pretty fascinating to me that you're you're sleeping on Carden Johnson and Trey Sharp like they weren't good backups in 2016. Oh, that's a damn. Damn, you got me there. I will say, looking at the the roster, there there is a possible chance that that Percy is the main back because I think he's going to get a ton of carries because there's only Van Horse and Palmer and Kalon Black, and then who, they they were all solid but not great. Well, Latrell Palmer's great. Don't get me wrong, but Latrell Palmer I love because um, Hamilton left. Yeah, Hamilton left, which was weird. Um, but they added. Um... They Lorenzo had Bryant Jr. From and what, Rhode he's played like 65 seasons of college football, right? He's a redshirt senior, so this is probably his seventh season. That's <laughs> insane, yeah. <laughs> so running back, I think he's got a chance, because last year he ran for over 100 yards a game. So if they do it, they've got 11 regular season, they win that national title, it'd be four, it'd be 15 games, run for 100 yards a game, they're at 1,500. So he can push it. I he think it's, push it. it's he like... He could do it. And he's probably going to get 20 touches a game. Like there's... yeah. He's going to get he's going to get run, and I think if we're talking touchdowns, I think that might not be as likely of a story. Like if he needed say twenty touchdowns to get it, I think Latrell might be kind of the goal line guy. But yardage wise, I think Percy. 
first he's a touchdown machine. Why are you You're... so down on Latrell? <laughs> I because he didn't they didn't like get reps last year. It was also the weirdest season in the world. I don't. I'm reading into it. I feel like Percy's going to get an absurd number of carries. I could be wrong. I, but even even at the goal, Percy had like what did he have? I'm looking it up, but I think he had uh, he had eight rushing touchdowns last year. That's Palmer not a had lot. two. Palmer had two, in seven games. Oh, that's I always forget. Did okay, he miss I, a game? What happened? Who? Oh, he must have had COVID that weird game. Yeah, that William and Mary game. He didn't play. Yeah. I forgot that. Game. Um, yeah, because that was when Kalon Black like ran for 140 yes. yards, and everyone was like, "Who's this kid?" I think they're going to get those guys some reps. But Percy, he's like, I want to say he's 12 touchdowns away from tying the touchdown record. He only needs like four to like go into second place. So I think he's going to get that because he had, he might have had, he had 12 plus rushing touchdowns in 2019. So I feel good that he'll, he'll hit touchdowns. He might even hit yards. He's going to have a huge year. That's my expectation is that he's, he rushed for for 2000 yards and 35 touchdowns. Okay. Do you think he's uh he do you think he wins CAA player of the year or do you think he wins FCS player of the year? I think he can win the CA one in part because he's like the preseason pick. Yeah. And uh I feel like voters are somewhat lazy. And if he has really good stats and he was the preseason and they like win the league, I don't think Cole's winning it. Yeah. So maybe. Great answer. Fantastic. If he rushes if he rushes for eighteen hundred yards, like I'm saying, he would have to win it. So I'll say yes. <laughs> Can you imagine he rushes for like two thousand yards and twenty touchdowns and they give it to like some random like Rhode Island guy playing quarterback? The undercuffler maybe to, at Albany. Yeah. They give it to the undercuffler after he throws for a thousand yards and twenty touchdowns and twenty picks. Um, my expectations, you know, I think Cole Johnson is going to play like playoff Cole wow, and just have a swagger about him. And I think they're going to air it out a little bit more. I think they're going to trust the offense with Cole. I think with Antoine, we'll get to Antoine Wells next um, because that's kind of a contentious topic between the two of us. Um, <laughs> not really that contentious. We just have kind of different opinions on it. Um, I'm too high on everyone on the roster is what is you actually are very <laughs> high on everyone. But I think with like Scott Bracey being now with it, with the program yeah. for a little bit, he's a huge target. He's going to be a good red zone guy. I think Chris mm-hmm. Thornton showed flashes of just pure speed, get it to him on a slant. I think there's going to be a lot of growth in the passing attack. And I think Cole's going to be the leader of it. And I think we're going to see the Cole that we saw for the beginning of the playoffs. And we saw for the first half of the Sam Houston state game. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't his fault that the Sam Houston State came back. That was just a weird yeah, thing that happened. That was – we don't talk about that anymore. No, that was, <laughs> that was insane. Do you think he'll play well enough to become an NFL draft pick, per se? Not at all. <laughs> There's no – but, hey, no, this is no offense to Ben DiNucci at all. But if Ben DiNucci can make it on an NFL roster and if Cole goes out there and has a great senior seat – like, Ben wasn't a good quarterback his his first year at JMU. He showed flashes of being a good quarterback, but he wasn't. And really, everything was based off of his senior year. If Cole has a great senior year, I won't put it past the NFL for giving that kid a shot. I was so high on Cole, like, early in his career, mostly because he was 6'5". He was 6'5", out- and you assumed he would put on weight. I did assume that he would get to 230, still stayed around 215 for six years. He's a really good FCS quarterback now, and I think he's developed, and Stignetti and company have done a nice job with him. Um, but, yeah, we'll see what happens. They also have a new offensive coordinator this year, which should be interesting. It was also – we'll get to that in a second. I just want to get to the fact that just the way that we saw two Coles, like pre-COVID mm-hmm. Cole and then post-COVID, that wasn't the same quarterback. Like, 
he was so good after getting COVID or after missing a game because of a COVID outbreak. He was so – he had confidence. He was putting the ball where it needed to be. He was going deep. He was hitting the right receiver, going the right reads. Mm-hmm. It's going to be – that was just – I think that was something that wasn't talked about enough last season, his play in the playoffs. So I well, hope he kind of continues that this year. Going off of that, are you concerned at all with – he got – banged up kind of a couple times in that Sam Houston game. I know he's like good to go now, but are you concerned at all with the depth at quarterback with Gage Maloney transferring? Well, no, because Billy Atkins is right there behind him. And I've been told by JMU that Billy Atkins is the second coming of Christ. Um, <laughs> no, looking at it, what, they have Kyle Adams, Billy Atkins, Cole Johnson, Patrick Benton, Clay Vance. I don't know how good any of those guys are outside of Cole. Um, you got a freshman, a redshirt freshman, Patrick Bentley's a redshirt junior, but I'm pretty sure he's just been kind of like the uh, Hunter Etheridge role. Then he's a little, Clay he's got a little ahead of Hunter Etheridge role. <laughs> Clay Vance is a freshman. I've never heard his name. He before, might be so a walk on. I think he's a walk on. I mean, I don't know how good, you know, Kyle Adams or Billy Atkins is. So I'm terrified. I'm terrified of quarterback depth. Like Gage Maloney. Well, this is also crazy. And you kind of alluded to it. Like, if that COVID thing around William Mary doesn't happen, Gage Maloney is probably today the starter still, for still the starting quarterback. And Cole probably would have left and done like, I think Greg said he was going to do something in a recent article, like financial advising or something. Yeah, he's, so a, Cole he's Johnson's, a cyber intelligence major. <laughs> okay, so he's probably doing something there and Gage is the guy. Because I think Gage would have been really good within that offense and the running game would have been different. But I think he still could have led them on a really good season. Instead, Cole took advantage of the opportunity for a second time. Now he's the guy, and I'm a little concerned. Patrick Bentley was a D2 transfer. He's been around for a while, which I think gives me a little confidence that he at least like understands the system. And Billy Atkins and Kyle Adams, these are two guys that people have been high on. But I'm alarmed. Like If he goes down, that's, to me, if what, you have a freshman come in? To me, that's a little bit scary. Well, what? How many starts is behind Cole Johnson? No starts, no pass attempts. I th- like, think Kyle might have – did he throw a pass last year? He ran at least. He played in a game. Barely any game <laughs> Half – one minute of game experience is behind Cole Johnson. That in and of itself he, is yes, – He has one pass attempt and one carry, but it went for 19 yards. So he's, he's ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. But like, but, like, to your point, there's no experience behind him. Like – as yes. much as JMU fans can hype up Billy Atkins and Kyle Adams and were so hyped when they signed, we don't know. In the FCS, like <laughs> – let me take that back. The FCS is not going to be good this year. The FCS is never really that good. I think the top, like, five to ten, though, is is decent. Like, I think there are some good teams in there. Like, I think the Montanas, both those will be competitive. Delaware has a chance to be good. I think both North Dakota State and South Dakota State are going to be good. I think Sam Houston's going to be really, really good again. Yeah, I do too. They bring back everyone. Right. Um, and and you're saying the FCS isn't a great conference. We don't love the FCS because it's high quality football week in and week out. We love it because Jamie plays in it and it makes for fun storylines. It's fun watching it. You go as far as your quarterback goes in the FCS. If you have a great quarterback, you're winning the national championship. Like you have a great coach and a great quarterback, you're probably going to win the national championship. And if Cole goes down, I don't think there's a great quarterback behind him. 
at this game. point. They can become great, but they're not great as of what? August 10th, 11th? Yes. yes. If you gave Weaver State like a Brian Shore or a Ben DiNucci, like I think they might have a national championship at this point. Like that's Or Vad so, Lee. <laughs> yeah, so Vadley <laughs> especially. So many of these teams, even you look at like Delaware, like they're pretty good overall in the quarterback positions, like decent and the better it gets, the better they become. But it's hey, all about like – Don't talk down on Nolan Henderson. He's made them a lot better for yeah, sure, he's, right? He's a, he, he, I, he makes them a national championship contender. He's, he is an FCS great quarterback. I will ah. stand by this. I, I'm going on the record in our preseason CAA, in our preseason JMU Sports News podcast, Delaware is a national championship contender. I don't think they'll win it, but I, I think they're a solid team and Henderson helps them out. <laughs> fair, fair. But then you look at like the reason North Dakota State is really good is because they're a complete football team, but let's not pretend that they haven't had like two, what are they, both like top five NFL, or I don't know where Lance went, but I think they were top five, right? Lance, Lance was Wentz. three, Wentz was two, and then let's not forget yeah. about Easton Stick was in there, who's on a, like a NFL team yeah. for multiple seasons. Yeah, so like they've had NFL quarterbacks, which has been a massive thing for them being really good. And South Dakota State's had some decent players, but I think you can argue that's maybe the position that's held them back a little bit, especially getting over the hump against North Dakota State. They don't have those same stud QBs. And but now and they Sam have Gronowski or whatever his name, Mark Gronowski, something yeah. like that, who who was a really good player last season, got injured, I think, in the Sam Houston State game early on. It was a big reason why they lost. And then you look at Sam Houston. Eric Schmidt was really, really good for them. And off, obviously for them, I guess the big thing was kind of a defense that wasn't, you know, soft. But once they got a tough defense and a good quarterback, they became good. So if they lose Cole Johnson, JMU, I become concerned because I think in the future, Billy Atkins or Kyle Adams could be really good. Yeah. But as, as a redshirt freshman or a freshman, do I think they're leading JMU to a title against these teams that I think are pretty good still? Probably not. Yeah, I agree. It's, I mean, the CAA is really top heavy too this season. Mm-hmm. Um, really bad middle down. Normally it's middle, middle to bottom of the CAA is like pretty solid. Right. Um, and they beat up each other. But this year it's top heavy. And as I was doing the power rankings from six down, really from like five down, they're not that good. At least they didn't have good showings in 2021 spring. So, And I think Gage coming in could have still led them to a national championship. So I guess that's why I mentioned that is I think there is yeah. now a drop off. I think a backup. Yeah. Gage could have come in after a week of prep. They would have had a different offensive scheme. Mm-hmm. But I think that offensive scheme would have still taken them to an or, or gotten them as close as Cole did. Again, Especially, that game wasn't yeah. on Cole. That was on just weird happenstance things and special teams. But magic, perhaps magic, dark magic. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Like Casey Keeler and company. But if we if we stick with the offense, we mentioned Antoine Wells, a stud freshman wide receiver last year, fantastic in receptions, receiving yards, touchdowns. He's a star. Do you think? That maybe people are hyping up a little too much. So you kind of poked holes in this argument all day yesterday as we were texting about it. But I still, with its flaws, I still kind of stand by it. And I'm pulling up the stats. He did lead the team last season in reception yards, in receptions, in average per, in average per catch, in touchdown. He, he was the best receiver on the team last season. Um, and he played a full season, that was really good. I think hyping him up off of the playoffs, though, just the playoffs, which I see a lot of people doing, Mm -hmm. 
I'm a little bit hesitant to kind of go full in. And also last season was weird and I'm hesitant to kind of make a, uh, to, to put that out to a full season. I'm, I'm hesitant to say that he is going to be the next great JMU wide receiver. Do I want him to be? Do I think he is, he will be? Yes. Do I think he is currently as of August 11th? I think he has all the potential in the world. I'm just not ready to crown him yet. <laughs> Let me crown him. I'll crown him. I think, I think Jamie fans are definitely hyping him up a lot. Like I know Greg Medea had mentioned that like NFL scouts took a look at him when they came and watched Fornado and Mike Green and, and Percy. So that stands out a little bit, but people have kind of made it seem like he's going to have three crazy years. He's going to be like a first round pick. There hasn't been like an FCS receiver draft in the first round since 2000. Cooper Cup was what? He was mid rounds and he put he up a third rounder. I think so too. He put up crazy numbers and, and had a little more height than Wells does at six one. I think he has more height. Um, so, so Cooper's kind of small. I thought he was a tall guy. I thought he was. I thought he had six three, but maybe he just. <laughs> we're looking it up, folks. Hold on. He's six two. He's six two. They're the same size, essentially. All right. So anyway, no. Well, I think Wells is a really good player. I do think he's going to be kind of dominant this year like I think defenses are going to have to change their game plan around him which maybe in ways could hurt his stats but there's so many other weapons you mentioned him too obviously the running backs uh, you can do some things with Van Horse in the slot if you want to uh, Clayton Cheatham came back right he's been around for 20 years there's a tight yeah, end and been, then you we, we mix him up with his brother Dean but between the two of them I think they've been a JMU tight end for the last 82 seasons <laughs> That's true. And I would buy some Chris Thornton stock. Nobody really I would, I would buy Chris Thornton's. I think that's also part of it. I think with the emerge, I think I truly believe Scott Bracey will find a bigger role this season because he is kind of non-existent. He is a D1. He is a power five Duke, but power five transfer wide receiver. <laughs> um, <laughs> Got to add Duke in there. Yeah. I, I do think he'll, he'll kind of grow Will defense's game plan around Antoine Wells? Yes, but I think Chris Thornton and Scott Bracey will kind of take some catches, some yards away from him, some touchdowns. Um, but it is worth being said, Cole Johnson and Antoine Wells had a fantastic connection in the playoffs, probably through the, uh, throughout the entire season. But he really had they, – they were on the same page time and time and time again. The deep balls were hitting. Everything was going well for him. So if they can kind of keep that chemistry going – I mean, who's to say that Antoine Wells isn't the best FCS wide receiver in six months? Yeah, and you look at um, Brandon Polk and what he did, where I feel like teams maybe game plan around him literally still at over 1,000 yards and was pretty dominant. So I think Wells can be really, really successful. Kurt Signetti, at one of the recent practices, I saw a video Greg Medea had posted. We were talking about receivers a little bit, and he said something along the lines of like, yeah, some guys have kind of stood out, you know, like aside from Wells, where he put him in like his own category, where like, yeah. we know Antoine Wells is good. <laughs> Some other guys are, are kind of stepping up. So I think he's got a chance to just go off this year. I'm very excited to watch him and Percy. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm giving people too many stats. How many yards can you really have? And Percy's rushing for, you know, 1,800. And Well, I, it, it sounds like you're giving the JMU <laughs> offense about 20,000 total yards of offense this upcoming season. I think the offense is going to be significantly more dominant than last year. They were at 33 points a game last year. I think they'll be at 40 plus. Well, let's also say that 33 is a little bloated because of the Moorhead State game. They were not a 33 points per game offense. Toward the end, they were basically a 30 point. But early in the year, yeah, they sucked. 
they were they were lethargic. <laughs> they were terrible to start the season. But yeah. yes, you're right. You're right. And then, well, then the issue is that they could score more in some of these games, like the Richmond win, the twenty-three to six one was kind of a we're up. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. I hope they're a little more aggressive this year. I think they will be because I think the confidence in Cole is a lot higher. Yeah, and I think the confidence in the defense too. Mm-hmm. I mean, what? Wait, we 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 teased it. Who's coming back on that front line? Mike Green, Jalen, Jalen Green, Green. You got two greens. I got my position groups up. I have to find my defensive lineman. Don't worry. There we go. You know what there I are a lot of these guys. While you're looking it up, I cannot wait for the two deeps to come out. Yes, God, I love two deeps, man. <laughs> There's nothing better than looking at a two deep for any team. I love to do it like across the conference, <laughs> and you look at potential matchups, and I'm like, oh, they got a mismatch here in, in the trenches. I love doing that for the FBS game. We'll get into that in a minute. But Isaac Uku is finally back up injury. He is. He looks huge. He's he's the best like camp guy that JMU's ever had. Like every offseason, you're like, this man is jacked. And then unfortunately, it seems like every offseason he tears something and then you never see him on the field. But then, then the next offseason, he's back and better. He's he's in the best shape of his life. You know, if that classic he- camp. <laughs> if he's healthy, he's gonna be a beast. He also wears number zero, which is just like cool. That's scary. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. Jalen Green, really good. We mentioned him. He missed the spring. Bryce Carter is the Towson transfer, 6'1", 250. I think he was a team captain for them. was pretty good at the CAA level. So that gives them another veteran guy that they can kind of stick somewhere along the defensive line. Uh, they've got that Temple guy, Antonio Coclaw, uh, redshirt sophomore. He's been around for a bit. They have the like Ohio State walk-on, who's apparently still good and seems like he can contribute at the FCS level. Uh, Zaid Hamdan, that's him. Didn't um, the huge guy transfer? Mason Cholo with the UCF guys, not in the program anymore. Yeah, he really didn't find a way to break through. And some of that, James Carpenter, the redshirt freshman, was really good on the inside of the defensive line. So he's got another chance to, to get some reps. And then they've got the, the Minnesota transfer who played, I think, a little bit last season, got some reps. I mean, they're just loaded. Can you say the Minnesota transfer's name? No, I can't. <laughs> Abi Nuabuku Okonji. I think that's close. I don't know why they don't put the pronunciation in the bio, but whatever. They should. It's hard for them. But, yeah, I mean, like, he's a good player who I think got a little bit of – yeah, he had two and a half tackles for the last couple of sacks last year. Like, they're just loaded up front. Yeah, I, I mean, you look chance. at it, it – you look at the defensive line, which spans one, two, three, four, four and a half – like lines on the JMU yeah. website, but almost everyone in there can start. Yeah. I mean, they've got so many, I mean, who's Mike Green's the obvious starter and I don't know who else is like, is Uku going to start on the edge? Could Jalen Green be on the edge? Where does well, Bryce Jaylen Carter Green's, fit? Jalen Green, 6'2", 241. I feel like he's more of an interior guy, but I mean, to bring it back to the <laughs> 240, he's a little guy. Well, granted, the biggest guy they have on the line is 260. That's not – no, no, no. No, what are you looking at? Two, oh, wait, at? never mind. I didn't, I didn't scroll down enough. I didn't scroll down enough. Leave me alone. Well, Green's like 282 in the middle, and then Carpenter's 275, but he feels bigger than that. Yeah. I think I, Green I will probably Sorry be Sorry about edge. that. Sorry about that. I'll, I'll retract right. everything I said in the last five minutes. <laughs> but then, like, in a passing down, like, would you want to – like, could you stick both Greens somewhere in the middle and have them – 
you know, kind of going crazy with that on a pass rush situation. Maybe he's still on the edge, but you move someone else in the middle. I don't know. We're going to to compare this to the Seahawks as I normally do. Um, they have something called like a NASCAR package. Oh. And it's just where they put all their speed guys. Like they just have the best speed rushers and they just put five of them out on the field at a time. And I feel like JMU has the depth to kind of do that and they have the talent to do that. I feel like Kamara was also good last year. Yes. Okay. Redshirt freshman from Virginia was arguably better than a bunch of the other guys. Started six games, only played six games, four and a half tackles for loss and three sacks. Like there's just, they go like 10 deep. I, I love your excitement for the defensive line. Well, I just don't think there's any team. Like this is part of why I think they're going to go undefeated is like you can rule out so many teams that they're playing in terms of like the ability to even run the ball. And then you yeah. can factor in like passing downs. They're probably going to get swarmed, which is that's really the only spot in my opinion you can really attack Jamie is I still have secondary questions. I do too, but when the quarterback probably has one second to throw that's, the ball, you don't need a great secondary. And the last four games of the season are trash. Elon Campbell, William Mary Towson. So they're going to hey, cruise into the playoffs. Don't talk down on William and Mary. I think Hollis Mathis is going to have his breakout year today, this year. Pick to finish 11th in the league. Um, which felt low to me. It does feel low. <laughs> I think they're a little, I think, I, I don't know if you're joking or not. I think they're a little bit better than that. No, 11 uh, out of 12 seemed extremely low. But, but also the same, I have cornerback questions. I don't have uh, safety yes, questions. Yes, I you read MJ that. Hampton, Wayne Davis. Yeah, that's pretty good. Are pretty, pretty solid at that. Like Wayne Davis, I, I don't really, he, he runs that weird. Is he even on the team still? Oh, he's on the team. Thank this you. is your Buck Buchanan award winner you're talking about. Your preseason pick, and you don't even give them the respect of being on the team. That's well, sometimes I forget who, like, no, I know, I know. A lot of guys just randomly transfer, and then you look at the roster the next season, and you're like, who? he's still there. Cornerback is definitely the the question because McCormick had like a sports hernia, so he's not practicing yet. They have Greg Ross, North Carolina guy, who is Mari. Yeah, Jamari Currents has been in there. Torres Carroll, I believe it was McCormick with the – and then they added Jordan Swan as a kick returner and former guy who played at Maine who has connections to the current defensive staff. I would not be surprised if he got, like, legit reps. Yeah. Well, I forgot. What was the – what started that? Wells, Wells Jr., how good will he be? I'm glad that is what brought us to the cornerbacks. That question took us there. So next up – they play Weber in Ogden this season, but there's no yeah. FBS games on the schedule. I know that makes you sad, so you can just kind of talk about it. I gave this one just your little soapbox. Thanks, man. I am sad about the no FBS game for a couple reasons. First, because they didn't get one last year in the spring, obviously. Really? No, FB, no FBS team was going to be like, sure, we'll show up for a, a game with you guys. So they didn't have one last year. They won't have one this year. They won't have one until November of 2022 against Louisville. I think it's a team that could beat an FBS team, depending on the team that they would have on the schedule. Like if they played Louisville this year in November, I think JMU absolutely would have a chance to win that. So I think that's part of what upsets me is like the Weaver state game is really cool within FCS circles. Nobody on like a national landscape is taking note if they beat Weaver state. Nobody cares. Well, yeah, because like it's on, it's on ESPN plus that tells you all you need to know. And there are other games, like no one cares about the FCS. So that's why I want them to have that opportunity to like, be relevant for a minute but it, it won't happen the other thing is like i think the nc state game in 2018 
they had chances. They shouldn't have won that game. Like, NC State was a better team. They had Ryan Finley, and, like, they were a decent team. But they had chances. Absolutely had chances, right? They had, like, that fumble or whatever Danucci had happen, like, right in the goal line. They had chances to play to get a stop and get the ball back and go down and score. Rashad Robinson is healthy. Maybe that game is a different story. I don't know. And Danucci doesn't fumble. They win. Yep. So they had chances. And West Virginia, they absolutely should have won that game. They blew that game by being ultra conservative. And also the fumbles and turnovers on like the first three drives. There's, they should have won that game. Like any sort of clean execution, they beat West Virginia, which would have been huge for the program to power five win. Like that would have been a huge deal still today and like for years to come. So that's why I'm frustrated. Cause like they've let a couple of these P five chances go. And now they don't even get one this year when they're the number two team in the country and next year, I don't think they'll be bad next year, but if they don't bring in a transfer quarterback, they're bringing, they're going to probably start a sophomore, retro sophomore or a true sophomore. I just think there might be a little more of a, a learning curve next year. Yeah, I agree. Um, that was a really good soapbox on why you're sad. There's no, you didn't put yeah. that in text yesterday. You just said, I'm sad. And I was like, okay, cool. And it gets me jacked when they like have a game like that, that, is going to be a big deal for the program. Weber State, I will be very excited about, like, internally and in Jamie circles, because I think Weber's really good. Um, I don't know what they have at quarterback. I don't really know either, and I don't know how good they will be this season, but, I mean, they're always a solid program. I'm, I really want to go out to Ogden, Utah, but that's just, like, impossible. It's a, <laughs> it's a tough – it's a really cool trip if you can do it. I think Utah's – scenic from all i've seen and like they have a cool stadium and you like see the mountains and stuff but the closest airport's like two hours away so you have to like then drive through that's just too much (laughs) it's hard to go from east coast which is like the majority of jmu fans to ogden for a saturday night game and then make it all the way back it's it's a challenge especially when it's on a streaming service that's not flow yeah exactly A, a, a solid streaming service in espn plus yeah, so that's tough. But uh, other than that, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not excited really about – I'm excited to watch this game. Come on, man. I had a stretch. You can, didn't have to stop your sentence. For no, a I'm not excited about any of the teams. At Delaware, I think, could be exciting if Delaware can, like, have a strong start to the season. Other than that, I'm not really excited about any of the games, to be honest I with wish you. Delaware was at JMU. Like, I just feel like these big games are so much better at Bridgeforth. No offense to other CAA schools. This also might be my JMU bias showing. But Bridgeforth is just such a better – one, it's a better TV production. Two, yeah. it's a better on-field product, it feels like. And three, like, the atmosphere is just so much better. At Delaware, it's going to be dead. Delaware doesn't care <laughs> about football. Hopefully they can get some of those old people out there if they can. They got a chance to start pretty strong. So I'll give them that, where if they start really strong, it's their homecoming. That should be a de facto CAA championship game. I I believe that's a de facto CAA championship game. I hope that it's, well, good, because they're not, they're sure as hell not going to play one, right? (laughs) Of course not. That'd be too, that'd be too, that'd make too much sense. No, but I think, just based off JMU has an Elon Campbell, William and Mary. Well, Campbell doesn't count. Elon, William and Mary and Towson. That should be win, win, win. So, and I imagine Delaware probably not, has a cupcake schedule. After. I have a really hard time seeing JMU not winning the conference. Like at New Hampshire, at Richmond, at Delaware, maybe there's some challenges there. Richmond more from a rivalry perspective than actual like talent. Although hey, I think don't still discount Mancuso. Joe Mancuso. Also, they were in the mix for a playoff spot last season. Granted against the South, but 
I think they probably should have gotten more consideration. But like yeah. the real, the tough team to me that I circle, you got two, right? It's the Delaware and Weber State. Weber State's obviously not a conference game. They don't have an FBS game. They're going to win a lot of games. I think they're pretty much a lock for an at-large, and then it's just a matter of whether they can lock up like a top-four seed, and I think they will because they're going to go undefeated. Well, I mean, we thought that last season too, and um, they're still a top-four seed. The committee's stupid. They should have been a one or two seed. Yeah, you want to be a one or two seed if you can. All right. Okay, next up, camp stuff. I mean, we've kind of touched on it all. Is there anything from camp that you're kind of looking out for? Position battles. I don't think there's many position battles. Last season, for the last three seasons, we've been looking at the quarterback battle. Um, but it seems like quarterbacks all but lock, is locked up. Running backs yeah. locked up. Wide receivers locked up. We know what the offensive line. I mean, it also has to do with the fact that the entire team is coming back because of that the extra year <laughs> of eligibility. So. I just want to hear more about some young guys. And Greg Medea typically does a good job of that, of like young guys who stand out who maybe won't have a ton of run this year but are like guys who will be better in the future and then the other one is i'm interested to see punt return and kickoff return what they do there because the special teams last year left a lot to be desired um and i think punt return especially i think they should consider jacks robas in the mix uh, but if he can't have more dynamic returns i think they need to move on and have someone else step into the role yeah, after, after having D'Angelo Amos for a few seasons, granted he muffed a few punts that shouldn't have been muffed, but he was dynamic and he was fun and he had punt return touchdowns and you never knew what was going to happen. Um, it seems like Jack Swarba is the master of the fair catch, which there's nothing wrong with that. If you I can hear yeah. it and just get the ball to your offense, that is perfectly fine. But when you're coming from D'Angelo Amos, Mr. Mr. Right. Fun, I want fun again. Make punt returns fun. And that's where I think the main guy, Jordan Swan, has a chance to, to grab that role. So it'll be interesting to see. Maybe Van Horst is more involved in some of this. I'd like to see more involved in the offense. But we'll see what happens there. I think they're going to be a good football team. I'm excited for this season within reason. I'm, I'll probably be more excited once the games get rolling. But ah, the no FBS game is really killing me. And the fact that I don't think they can – I mean, I know they can – but I don't, I don't really see anyone threatening them for the league. I, I'm a lot higher on Delaware than you are. I think they're going to fall back to earth. I really have my doubts about them. They had one of the best defenses in the nation last season, and they bring everyone – they bring seven, <laughs> seven preseason all-conference guys, and I think like seven from the 2020 all-conference team. This, they strike me as a team – that JMU is going to be like 17 to six. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that they're better than <laughs> and JMU. I'm going to hate as, every as second evident of from my power rankings. What I'm saying is Delaware needs some respect, man. Like they are a they, top 10 team in the FCS this season. Go beat Rutgers on September 18th. JMU is going to beat Weaver state Delaware. I will, I Delaware. Will you want you, my attention? Go beat Rutgers. I will bet you five bucks. Delaware wins that game. Okay, I'll take that bet. All right, Mark Rutgers might smash, smoke them by three scores. They might. They might. I hope know, Delaware I wins that game. I'll root for Delaware. I want Delaware to be – it would be awesome if that's like number one versus number two or something crazy. I I think Nolan Henderson is a FCS quarterback that can win you a national championship. I think they have a national championship caliber defense. This sounds like last year. Remember when I was so high on Delaware last year and 
Sam Houston well, were, State too. And I would say you're. Oh yeah, all right. <laughs> what are you a genius now? I'm pretty good at this stuff. I am. Yeah, you. Shout out Josh Criswell. He was a, a a guest last season before the Sam Houston State game. He's now the beat beat writer for Wyoming. And it makes mm-hmm. me really sad because he was how I got all of my Sam Houston State information. He was awesome. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you were pretty, you were pretty spot on with your your takes last year. You had some some good FCS knowledge. I won't lie to you. Thanks, man. This year, I follow right. a lot of FCS writers. This year, I don't feel it. <laughs> I Delaware is going to be good. Here, let's just, let's let's wrap it up with a quick plug for my power rankings because okay. Because why not just plug this? And this is good. This is good talk for the last bit of this podcast. All right, JMU one. Do you agree? Yes. <laughs> Delaware, <laughs> Richmond, Villanova make up the top four. You're high on Richmond, aren't you? I'm very high on Richmond. They burned me the last couple of seasons. I think with Ooh, Rhode Island. Joe Mancuso's back for his 18th season. They just stink. <laughs> yeah, they um, could be good. But I think Richmond will be solid. They could. Richmond's on a very is in a spot though that I would drop them in a heartbeat. Like if they lose in bad fashion week one, they might go down to like six or seven. Um, sure. Rhode Island five. I'm really high on Rhode Island. I think they're good. Kaysom Hill, not to be confused with Taysom Hill. I already did it. <laughs> Kaysom Hill is going to be a good quarterback. I I have high hopes for him. He's a good runner. He's good. He's an all right passer. Um, but I think he'll he'll make Rhode Island fun to watch at least. Oh, I didn't realize Delaware had had that Lee running back back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they might be good. Oh man, I'm starting to get a little excited about them. They got a roster, don't they? They. <laughs> I like how you didn't believe anything I was saying, and then you're like, "Oh, they might actually be well, good." That first playoff game is like burned into my mind, where they like barely beat Sacred Heart. That was disgusting. Hey, but where did they end up? Getting blown out of the building in the semifinals. All right. Uh, Towson, New Hampshire. I don't know about this, the bottom the bottom seven. Towson, New Hampshire, Maine, William & Mary, Stony Brook, Albany, Elon. Albany's going to suck. You think so, even with the undercuffler? If you read the article, I'm very low on undercuffler. He has no arm velocity. He wasn't making the right decisions last season. I said in the article, you guys should go check it out. It's on jamiesportsnews.com. I need to check it out. Um, I said in 2019, it was kind of all smoke and mirrors. He had two all conference caliber senior wide receivers who took, who took the slants to the house and made undercuffler look great. And last season without a running game and without good wide receivers, undercuffler looked terrible. Chris Thornton was a first team preseason all conference team receiver and Wells was honorable mention. What are these people idiots? (laughs) He beat him in every statistical category, whatever. I think Thornton's really good. That's just wild to me. That is actually a really good point. I mean, Antoine Wells literally led the team in every single major yeah. statistical receiving category, and Antoine Wells and um, Chris Thornton was second, and they gave. So him. stick them both in there. Wow, this is okay. I'm interested a little bit now in Delaware. Delaware's going to be good. Maine? Do we think Maine is good? I have Maine at eight. Mm, okay. I just I think they're still trying to find their way after losing their their coach. Yeah, we're, to go take like a. The assistant to the assistant assistant job at Minnesota. What did um, where'd you put the the tribe of William and Mary? Nine. Okay. I'm high on Hollis Mathis. They have to prove it to me though. But I like Mike London. I like Hollis Mathis. I like what William and Mary is building. That's fair. 
All right. Anything else you want to add? Uh, the other sports are sort of starting up here in the next few few weeks. So we'll get to those more as they come in. But I think men's soccer should be good. Field hockey, I think, should make a run of the conference title. Looking for a bounce back from women's soccer. They just volleyball. played an exhibition. Yep, volleyball should be good. Golf, women's golf is going to win the, win the league title. I don't know what else. How many fall conference <laughs> titles are, are is Jamie winning? That's a good question. All right, let's remember the fall sports. We have golf, both men's and women's, both soccers, football. Yep. Field hockey, cross yep. country. Is there anything else? Volleyball. Volleyball. Hmm. Okay. So at least at least three. Football. I think volleyball. Okay. One of the golf has a good, golf has a good chance of repeating. The soccer is sneaky competitive in the men's. Isn't UNCW always good? Um, yeah, but soccer just added an FC Barcelona kid. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I think four or good. five conference titles are coming home in a in the cross fall. country normally is right up there, right? Yeah. So they're there. Golfs are there. Yeah, it's good. It should be a really successful sports year. I'm most excited for basketball, to be honest with you. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there soon enough. November, we'll get here. Soon. Don't <laughs> wish away time. All right. Yeah. For Bennett Conlin, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Football starts in less than a month. Jamie's going to Jamie's gonna go undefeated. Jamie's going to win the national. They're going to take down North Dakota State and whoever their quarterback is that they got from Virginia Tech. Have a wonderful rest of your day. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.